And Alistair, Alex uh, finished Gonzaga University, and then he was at Mount Hermon camp for three years in training, and now he's here with our third and fourth graders. We love having him. But I don't want that announcement to wash over us too quickly. The impact that we can have with our kids and to young families where a couple can come and sit here and listen to God's word because we're watching their kids is immense. Suzanne and I, we, our first thing we did at church as soon as we got married, we uh, did a Sunday school class together here, taught Sunday school. We learned a lot about each other and the kids in the process. And then um, a few weeks ago during Easter, we did the nursery because uh, we don't have grandkids yet, so we borrow some. And so there's all kinds of reasons to be involved in the student ministry. So I encourage you to do that. Well, we can't wait for Darren's first day tomorrow. And we're excited about that. We um, have his office already. I was going to say we were going to prank it, but I see him sitting in the back here. So Darren and Shannon, would you guys stand? We'd like to welcome you here. Absolutely. We are so happy that that he's coming on board. He'll start a series for six weeks starting next Sunday. So we're all looking forward to that. We're in a series right now, Embrace the Nations, and last week, Kevin, the head of the Free Church of America, talked about Luke 4, how the Jews loved when Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. They were like, yes. And then he said, the kingdom of God is for people of all nations, and they tried to kill him. (laughs) They didn't like that at all. But we saw that God's heart is for all people. And we talked about our footprint of missions around the world, what God is doing in some wonderful ways, and the opportunities even to do short terms. And there was a great response last Sunday, and we still have opportunities this summer. I talked to our missionary in Mongolia. He said, we have some college kids that have come to know the Lord, but their family, extended family, isn't. Would you send some people to just go live with their family for 10 days and talk English? I think we can all do that in Mongolia. Wouldn't that be exciting? So that they can show their family that, hey, there is a God and and this message is credible. And we have opportunities in Tanzania, Ukraine, even construction in Madrid. So if you'd like to still do that, you can. We have a luncheon at 1 o'clock today over at NC 180. Lunch is on me. If you feel God wants you to participate this summer, we'd love to have you there. But why do we embrace the nations? Why why do we sacrifice our stuff so that others will hear? Why do we give up our money? Why, Why don't we spend it on our family, our church, our community? Why do we send some of our sons and daughters overseas? Why do we send some of our best and brightest to the unreached peoples of the earth? Why do we do it? What is at stake? What is there to gain? Now, we all make choices in life. Choices during the day, some are big choices, some are small choices. But we have this choice to embrace the nations or not, and we'll talk about that choice. I remember a choice I had about six years ago I was doing for a sermon illustration. I decided to do a parachute jump. 
stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. So I was down in Temecula, not preach, but the, the illustration. I was down in Temecula and they give you this little training right before you to jump. And they show you this video of a lawyer and they're concerned about liability. And the lawyer says, you are an idiot if you do this. You are the stupidest person on earth. And then they show you pictures of people falling out of planes who didn't make it. I mean, it's just grotesque. And then they say, sign these papers and you can go. <laughs> so I was, I was all in, you know, so I, I went. Someone gave me a, a quote this today uh, after the first service. He was an old ins- assur- insurance actuary. He said this about skydiving. Two things fall from the sky, bird poop and fools. So <laughs> I am both at some times. Yeah. But, you know, I thought it was a great choice until they opened the door of the plane. And then you go, there is no good reason to jump out of a flying plane. Not at all. But I landed. It was all right. But there's big choices. There's little choices. I remember even our son Adam was he, uh, you know, would misbehave. He said, Adam, if you eat that cupcake before dinner, I'm going to spank you. And his response was, how hard? Right? <laughs> He's looking for choices. Then we realized that didn't work. Alone time was the thing that, so we'd say, you've got to go in your room alone. How long? I've got to measure if I should do this or not. We make those kinds of choices all the time. Why do we make the choice to embrace the nations? Why do we go out of our way? Well, I'm going to start this morning with a quiz. Five questions are going to be on the screen. It's an honor system. You don't have to answer it out loud. There is no free donut. There's nothing for this quiz, but just to help us think. Here's the first question in your mind. Is there life after death? After we die physically, is there another life? If you don't think so, I'll come back to talk to you in a minute. If you think so, here's number two. Will all people eventually go to heaven? Well, some of you will probably say yes. Some of you will probably say no. Number three, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Getting a little bit harder. They would say in evangelical churches, 40% of the people would answer no to this. Jesus isn't the only way. But if you said yes, here's number four. They're getting harder. Will those who don't choose to follow Jesus be eternally punished. All right, after you die, is there a literal hell? Is there eternal punishment? Not as whether you're going to send people to hell or not, is do you believe that to be true? A harder one yet, number five. Will those who have never heard of Jesus be eternally punished? Now, that's a tougher one, isn't it? These questions impact how we respond to whether we're going to embrace the nations, whether we are going to share our faith with a family member, with a friend, with, a commu- with our community, depending on how we answer these questions. So all of us answered them probably differently, some maybe more. Let me sh- illustrate a few camps. So there's a camp or a belief, a thought belief would be, we call it classic universalism. That would mean there is a God, he's good, everyone goes to heaven. That was started in the third century, came back in the 19th century with the universal church. It was that there is a good God, everyone gets into heaven. Then later on there was, we call the new universalism, or I'll call the new universalism. In the 20th century, uh, Karl Barth said, hey, 
Jesus did die. And he died for the sins of the whole world. So everyone will get to heaven. The first one didn't have considered the death of Christ. The second one says he did die for all sins. He loved all the world. Everyone's going to get to heaven. Now there's a couple scriptural we'd wonder about that. There's a couple of scripture verses we'll look at. A third one would be the wider hope. We'll call it the wider hope. It's that if you're sincere, if you're really following what you believe to be God, you're, you'll be in heaven because you're sincere. Now, if this was true, sincerity would be the only realm of thought where this would make sense. Because when we contracted for the roofer to put the roof on this building in 1980, we didn't look for a sincere contractor. We looked for a guy who was good. <laughs> so yesterday I had my car serviced. They rotated the tires. I didn't ask the guy afterward, hey, did you tie the lug nuts? And he would say, well, I gave it my best shot. <laughs> I don't want your best shot. <laughs> Are they tight or are they not? So that's the wider hope, if we're sincere. There's kind of a new wider hope that says, if you believe in the revelation you do have, you look at the world, you look at babies, you look at nature, and you say, there is intelligent design. I believe there's a God. I don't believe in Jesus Christ, but I believe in a God. Then you get to go to heaven. And there's several other camps. One is the annihilation theory that when you die, there is a heaven and that you can go to heaven if you've trusted in Christ, but there's no hell. There's annihilation. You'll just cease to exist. And we'd all like that one to be true. That would be a good. But we're going to look at the scripture. Did you find which camp you're in? Are you figuring that out? Are you thinking seminarians, what do they do? They just talk about this stuff? Well, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. At the words of Jesus, you're probably thinking, man, I like those Bible stories a lot better. Mm -hmm. Matthew 13, Jesus is sharing some parables about life and death. From verse 44, let me read. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Let's stop right there. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. What is that? The kingdom of heaven is the reign of Christ in our hearts. When Jesus came in the New Testament and said, the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it didn't mean that he was coming to rule Israel then. It didn't mean that he was going to take care of the Romans and he was going to be the main guy. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What that is, the reign of Christ is now available in our hearts. So that when we have Christ in our hearts, when we do something unbelievably well, like we forgive someone out of the ordinary, the kingdom of God is reigning at that moment. When we do some act of kindness beyond what we should, the kingdom of God is reigning. The kingdom of God reigns in our heart. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is valuable. It's so valuable that this person sold all that they had to get it. They didn't just say, let me try it out. Let me think about it. He sold all that he had. In verse 45, Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When when he found one of great value, he went away and sold 
everything he had and bought it. There's value in this kingdom. He goes on to one more parable in verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was set down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down, collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bat away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. Is that literal? Is that just a metaphor? Let's look at another verse in Revelation 21. This is John getting a vision from God of heaven. And this is what he sees. Something very, very similar. Revelation 21 is one of the great chapters because Revelation 20, all the judgment has happened. 21 and 22, things are going great. So this is a picture of the new heavens and earth. It says in verse four, he'll wipe all tears from their eye. There will be no more pain, no more sadness. This is the great picture. And then in verse five, it says he was seated on the throne and he says this in verse six, it is done. I am alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God. They will be my children, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Wow. If these words are true, there's two destinations. There's eternal life and eternal death. Now we're thinking, hey, that's just New Testament. What about Old Testament? Well, let me read a passage from Daniel chapter 12, where the prophet is talking about this in Daniel 12, 2 and 3. Daniel says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. This is the end. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel's saying there's there's two destinations. This life is not all there is. After we die, there's eternal life or eternal separation from God. Jesus talks more about it in Matthew chapter 25, verses 41. He explains what it looks like. Matthew 25, 41. I can't find it. It was here this morning. Jesus will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Interesting, eternal separation wasn't prepared for humans. It wasn't meant for God's creation. It was prepared for the devil who tried to subvert and take things away from God. Verse 46 says, and then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus' words. There's something after death. And there's two destinations. C.S. Lewis said of this, he said, there is no doctrine 
which with, I would willing, more willingly remove from Christianity than this if it was in my power, and we would all agree. But it has the full support of Scripture, and especially of our Lord's own words. It has always been held by Christendom, and it has support of reason. There's two destinations, but there's got to be a way out. In Revelation 20, 15, it says there is a way out. It says anyone whose name is found in the book of life, not found in the book of life, will be thrown into the lake of fire. There's a book of life. Really? Where is that? In Acts 4.12, Peter is preaching right after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he starts to preach and he says in Acts 4.12, he says, salvation is found in none other for there is no one else, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. There is one name, the name of Jesus. So although the news sounds dire, that death comes to all, that there's two destinations, the good news is there's a way to get to the destination that we all want. Jesus has provided a way. In John 3, 16, we read, that's the last passage we'll turn to, and you know that verse in John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There is a way. So for a lot of you here this morning, you're thinking, wow, I know this. It's not really a comfort. There's an assurance of where I'll be. But we have family members that are not following Jesus. We have friends and neighbors. There's people around the world that don't know. And to think that there is one way and after death comes that judgment, it's quite sobering. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God isn't here to condemn us. He's here to invite all people to himself to say there is a way. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says this, and this is the witness that God has given us life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you, John says, so that you may know you have eternal life. The scripture says you don't have to hope, you don't have to think, you don't have to wish, you don't have to be just sincere. You can know that you have eternal life if you have the Son. Jesus created this world through the power of God so that we would have relationship with him. We would have an abundant life. And he says this life is in him. There is no other way. So why do we come to Jesus? Because there's no other way. Why do we tell our friends? There's no other way. Why do we embrace the nations? There's no other way. R.C. Sproul, one of the theologians of today, wrote this. Hell, then, is an eternity before the righteous, ever-burning wrath of God, a suffering torment from which there is no escape and no relief. Understanding this is crucial to our drive to appreciate the work of Christ and preach the gospel. There's two destinations, 
There's one way. The stakes are high. That's why we share. The love of God compels us to share. And that's the good news. We're going to take a brief detour, since this is our week of missions, to talk about how we can share. We talk about going to the ends of the earth, and we need to. But God has done something very unique in the last 20, 30 years where he's brought the world to us. International students have been flooding into our country, an opportunity where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ if they want to hear. I read these statistics recently. There's 1.2 million international students in the U.S., 30.5 billion to the U.S. economy. This is a big impact. There's 150,000 international students in California. There's 15,000 international students in North Orange County. And our church for 30 years has had the blessing to, to love, to reach out, to invite, to share. And we have seen transformed lives in, in wonderful ways. And I'd like to share two of these stories with you of what God has done when we share the good news. Bo was here a few years ago as a student. And he can't be here this morning, but he, he wrote this for me. He said, I was an ordinary person with a heart of stone. What do I mean by that? I was self-centered. I was always right. You were always wrong. I came to the U.S. in 2007 for my American dream, which means being rich and successful, getting citizenship or whatever you can imagine. I went to the church Bible studies on Friday nights, but I didn't open my mind and heart to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord because of my old self, my heart of stone. I believe there was a universal God that just controlled us all. But in 2010, Easter Day, I was touched by God's power and his words. A friend showed me that, he is, that there is a powerful God that is able to change a heart of stone, no matter how hard you are. My friend was baptized, and so I decided to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I jumped into the hot tub, and I asked the pastor to put me in the water for 10 seconds because I had a lot of things to confess and pray. Let's go. He said, since I was baptized, I start to experience the change and the difference, showing love and honor to my parents instead of demanding, forgiving others, regretting my sins, desiring to read the Bible. Besides these things, I saw my wife fall in love with me again. And my favorite verse, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That was Bo's, Bo's testimony, coming to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There's another international student I want you to meet. He's here with us this morning. I want you to have or accept Sonny. Welcome Sonny as he comes up to share with us. You may have seen him around the last few months. Sonny just finished his four comprehensive exams for his master's in engineering yesterday. He is exhausted. He's not even here, but he is. He is. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Lyle Sunny Meager. I come from city... Uh, in Hyderabad, India, and uh, I go to Cal State Fullerton, <laughs> doing my master's in civil engineering, and I'm here from past two years. Yeah. So, Sonny, you've been coming to our Friday night Bible, Bible studies, but something happened in December. You went to a conference. Yes. Uh, I've been to a conference in uh, Orlando, Florida, a vision conference, where we met so many speakers, and one of our speakers 
was like sharing a Bible verse from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 which says that it is by grace we have been saved but not by works to boast of. I remember the next week you came back, Sonny, and you came with your Bible and you said, Pastor Dan, have you seen this verse? For by grace you have saved my Have you ever seen this verse? You were so excited that something happened. Yes. Uh, in the conference, um, one of the speaker was like asking a question to us. Now, if you were died tonight and stood before God and God would ask you, why should I let you in heaven and what will be your answer? And everyone, we, we were blank. We don't know the exact answer what to give. And some people said that, no, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I help others. But the, the pastor said, no, you know, if you think you are a good person, you'll be in heaven. No, it's not the right answer, you know. Then he shared the verse again from Ephesians saying, it is by grace you have been saved, but not by your works to boast of. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful moment for you. You know, and... Uh, well, when he, after he shared with you that Jesus was, was the only way, and it's through his grace, he said, I want you to ask your friends that question, and how has that gone? You know, yes, actually, I was shocked when uh, the pastor asked this question. You know, even though we read our Bible every day, and uh, we come from a Chris, uh, Christian background, you know, when these type of questions come... You know, you know, what, what answer we give, like, but, uh, you know, there is one condition, unless until we believe in Jesus Christ as a personal savior, yes, we will be in heaven, and this verse gives me a blessed assurance that, yes, I will be with uh, him, I'll be with him in heaven. That's great. And he told us to share it to all of my, you know, friends, and now this is your opportunity to share it to your friends. Yeah. Sonny, thank you so much for being here. We yeah. really appreciate uh, you. Thank you, Pastor Dan. And uh, I'm very grateful to this EV Free Church for uh, paying the scholarship that mm-hmm. I can attend the conference. And yes, you know, this one verse and one line has changed my life. Now, now I can say, yeah, you know, I can be in heaven with Jesus. All right, yeah, Sonny, I'm you. preaching, not you. <laughs> Take this to Sonny. <laughs> When we talk about hell, when we talk about eternal separation from God, when we talk about eternal punishment, that can be so heavy, so ah, bothersome. But we see from the scriptures that God is a God of love. He cares for us. He's made a way to come to him to have that abundant life. And we get that opportunity to do that. Uh, Let me just share a little more about our international student program. Sonia Baffa, who runs our international student program at church, wants to share just four ways that you can be involved with the world that has come here. Sonia? Thank you, Dan. What's our four ways? Well, we have a lot of opportunities to love on international students. How many of you have been American friends? Raise your hand. All right, there's lots of you that have um, a good life ahead of you if you stop by the booth out here after the service. There are several ways that you can get involved in the lives of our international students. You just drive down the street. Many of them go to college, right, at Cal State Fullerton and the other local colleges. Um, one way is through, our, uh, through opening your home and your heart to students. Um, we often will host um, opportunities for um, 
for holidays like Easter and Thanksgiving, and we invite them to just join our family. So this is a great way to love on them and to learn more about their cultures. Another opportunity that we can reach out and love these students is through our, um, through our parties. We all love parties. Students love parties. Mm-hmm. We love parties. Mm-hmm. So we have a big kickoff party to welcome students when they come and are starting a new semester in college. And we invite them to come and um, just learn about our American traditions as well as learn about theirs. And then, of course, we have um, our furniture giveaway. That is held once a year. Many of you have generously donated your furniture, and we are picking up furniture now, so if you have that, you can let us know. But we use this to help students who arrive with just a suitcase and their, or their backpack, and they're ready to study, but an apartment that's empty. This is a great way for us to connect with the students and to, um, with our church and all of us. So please feel free to call the office, and we can help you um, donate your furniture. And finally... Friendship. We all love friends. We want friends and we want to be a friend. So as kingdom people, we have a chance to do that to the students that come from around the world. And um, out on the plaza, we'll, you have, you'll have a chance to meet with friends that, um, folks that have already been friends. And uh, they'll tell you more about their journey and ways you can love these students. So come and we will be happy to share more. So thanks. Thank you, Sonia Gordon. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I read a recent statistic that 75% of international students never go into a home, an American home. And we have an opportunity to invite them into our homes, and they love. I see my mom here. She always has lunch at her house with international students. If any of you need lunch, you can go to mom's house. Uh, She always has lunch. I don't know why. At 86, she just loves doing that. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We have opportunities. Our church has an obligation to embrace the nation's and share the good news that will bring life and hope to people who are lost, many that don't even know that they're lost. Now let me come back to those that answered the first two questions with a no. Where there is life after death, maybe you think there isn't. Or is Jesus the only way? You may think, no, I don't think he is. As we've read the scriptures this morning, we've seen this story. That Jesus, God the Son who came to earth, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we all have a choice to make. God doesn't force us. He doesn't push us. He says, at your time, you make the choice. I'm calling you. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. I want you to make the decision. Decisions can be tough, but we are to make a decision. I remember a funny story of, of Ronald Reagan who had an aunt when he was a younger that uh, when he was younger took him to a cobbler for a pair of shoes. In those days, you got your shoes made. And the cobbler said, do you want a pointy toe or a square toe shoe? And Ronald Reagan at the time said, I, I, I'm not sure what. So the cobbler said, come back in a week and tell me. When he saw Reagan, he said, hey, what did you decide? And Ronald Reagan said, I, I haven't decided yet. And he said, well, come back and I'll give you a pair of shoes. And when he went back for the pair of shoes, one was pointy and one was, one was square. And Ronald Reagan said, that always reminded me, if I don't make a decision, someone's going to make it for me. God allows us to make a decision to follow him. As the band comes, as they play about come to the altar, we have a moment to make an altar before in our hearts, right where we're sitting and talk to God. So will you pray with me right now?
in the quietness of this moment, whenever we come into church, God speaks to us. What has he said to you today? Is he calling you to give your life to Jesus Christ? Is he calling you to share this life with a friend, a family member, or to pray for someone in your neighborhood? Is he calling you to go to the ends of the earth or to go to the plaza to help out with kids or international students? God has spoken to you this morning. He's asking you to respond. Father, we thank you that your presence is gracious and your love is unconditional towards us. You love everyone here, wherever they're at in their belief. And you're wooing us to yourself. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for calling us. Lord, this morning as we've come, we bring burdens, we bring cares. We give them to you, asking for you to take our cares. Give us the presence of your peace. Thank you for speaking. We worship you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me as Billy and the group starts playing, come to the altar. I encourage you, if you'd like to come to hear about Jesus Christ, I'll be standing right over here. You can come talk to me during the song, after the song, between services. Come, come to Jesus Christ.